Cubiños en el arco, la defensa es colosal González, Orlando, La Torre, Nicolás, Fuentes y Chumpitas Chalemifrin y Cubillas y el gran Pericoleón Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan Podcast, the first episode of 2021. It's been a long time coming, but we are indeed back. I'm your host, Peter Galindo. Joining me tonight, uh, first of all, is Renato Vilches. Renato, how are you doing? Happy New Year. It may be a little bit late to say it, but I mean, it's already a happy new year. I'm hoping 2021 will be the, the year that we can all have some great times. And I've been doing well. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. And also joining us is Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing? Happy New Year to you as well. I'm doing well, Peter. Happy New Year's. I hope everything is good on your end. Yes, yes, it is. Staying safe, as I'm sure both of you are, and all of you listening, wherever you happen to be. Uh, So, guys, let's get right into it, because uh, a lot has happened since we last recorded. Uh, A lot of movement when it came to uh, Peruvians moving abroad, and there are still some rumors floating out there surrounding certain players' futures. But we'll start with... uh, Something that's a bit more concrete. Um, one of the major transfers from Liga Uno to abroad was uh, Matias Sukar. He finally found a club. He joined Lask Linz in Austria on a free transfer after leaving Deportivo Municipal. Uh, Lask signed him because, uh, partially due to Johannes Eggestein returning to Werder Bremen, he was on loan there. Um, but overall, this is seemingly on paper a solid move because Lask are one of the better clubs in Austria. They qualified for the Europa League this year. Um, Renato, what do you make of the of the move for Sukar? Do you, do you think that he will settle in well and, and maybe get some minutes here very soon? I think the Austrian Bundesliga is the perfect stepping stone if you're going to be going from Liga 1. Um, for In Sukar's case, he did very well in Municipal, municipal and... I'm pretty sure that he wants to fought, like to leave a name out to be added into another collection of the Peruvians in Europe. Since considering that we hardly have any players getting continuity and stuff, but as for him getting the minutes, he's gonna have to work his way up because going from Peru to Austria is a whole new world, new culture, new environment, new playing style. But if he if he can take total advantage advantage of his stay in Austria, then I believe Sukar will have a good career. And it's also a team like Lask where they're competing against RB Salzburg to, for the Austrian title. And as you said, they have made some appearances in the Europa League this year in the group stage. They even played against Tottenham. Yes, that's right, and actually did pretty well in the group stage, has to be said. Um, Kevin, what do you what do you make personally of, of the move for Sukar to, to Austria, a league that is known really for uh, developing uh, youngsters, regardless of if they're Austrian or from abroad? Yeah, I think it's a, a promising move because they do seem to bet on a lot of uh, young talent. You can see young Germans like Agustin, uh, young Americans like uh, Aronson, who just joined Salzburg, uh, now Sukar at, at uh, Lask. Um, I think it, it'll it'll definitely depend on him because it looks like there's going to be an opening for him. He just needs to prove himself. And what, I know he's gotten some time, some minutes in friendlies, but seeing as how this season is almost halfway through, he might not be able to... to to fight for a starting spot until the next season. 
uh, is how I see it. But I, I figure that's time to adapt. And they took that into account when they gave him his contract. Yeah, for sure. And this is kind of a, something that a lot of Austrian and German clubs do is they kind of have one eye on, on the next season when they make deals like this and, and also just for the future in general. Um, I know some fans are maybe a little bit concerned about how um, Sukar finished the season. Uh, in Peru because of uh, Rodrigo Vilca leaving mid-season obviously had a lot to do with with his form but when you look at the underlying numbers it wasn't that big of a decline uh, after Vilca left so I, I think it was just really a case of he just had a bit of a bad run of finishing really um, so considering that Lask do have some of the top creators in the league and they play at a fast tempo um, and the league itself is played with a fast tempo um you imagine that's going to help Sukar, and he will have to adapt pretty quickly to the pace of the game because obviously it's a pretty different beast compared to what Liga Uno offered him. Um, so we shall see what goes on, but certainly early days, it's looking pretty promising. Uh, speaking of Bilka, guys, um, there were reports linking him with a move on loan to League Two, uh, the fourth tier in English football. Uh, that has, however, not happened because there were apparently uh, potential moves in the works either to the Eredivisie or to Belgium, which we kind of teased a few times as potential options for him. Um, obviously, though, the January window is nearing its conclusion, so that's a little bit precarious. But, uh, Kevin, what do you think happens with Bilka here for the next week or two or or even for the rest of the season should he end up staying in Newcastle? I, I think uh, if, if he doesn't make the move within the next week or so, he's he's definitely staying there at Newcastle and he's been doing solidly in in the U23s you can tell he's bulking up he does a lot of like Instagram lives and stuff so you can you can kind of track his progress as, as it's almost like playing a FIFA player mode <laughs> <laughs> but um I can see him potentially potentially debuting this season cuz there's you know the, there's a little bit of room for for uh, new players to get some minutes in Newcastle. If not, he's just going to have to ride it out and and fight for for a position in, in the preseason. Yeah, for sure. Much like everybody else will. Um, Renato, do you think that's the worst thing for Bilka to, to stay in, in Newcastle, keep playing for the under-23s and maybe trying to catch the attention of, of Steve Bruce if a lone move doesn't formulate here? It wouldn't be the worst thing to say. I mean, I ideally, I feel like a loan move would would certainly help him like get more used to the first division level of Europe, especially in a league like Belgium or the Eredivisie. But if he were to stay in Newcastle, he can get more accustomed to the life in England, and also like, get more of his of a seat that's going to be required in the Premier the Premier League. And he's, and also, of course, to work his way up to get noticed by Steve Bruce. Um, I, I just hope he can like when the time preseason comes by, round like after the season ends, that he works his way up to show that hey, I am ready for the Premier League football, and I now have the skills. And I hope Vilka can find his way up soon. Well, it is promising, as Kevin mentioned, that Vilka has seemingly 
improved physically in terms of uh, gaining some muscle and, and seemingly adapting to the physicality of the European game, especially in England. It's obviously notorious over there um, because that was probably one of the, the major flaws in his game was just how often he got fouled and how little contact, I guess, he could take when he was in Neo Uno, which is not the worst thing. But, you know, ideally you'd like to have some sort of fluidity in your game. And if you don't have the strength to keep up, then you're going to get overwhelmed and you just won't have much of an impact. So at least Milka is making progress in that regard, which is obviously good news for him. And whatever happens, I feel like uh, he doesn't really have to worry about playing time yet, at least until maybe the start of, of next season, let's say. Um, in terms of uh, youngsters, guys, other youngsters who could potentially move on loan, uh, Cluivert Aguilar is probably going to be arriving in Europe in the next week or two. Um, as a matter of fact, I think it's actually pretty much confirmed that he will be heading to Europe in February. Um, he was set to join, this was a couple of weeks ago, but Lommel in uh, Belgium's second division on loan. They are one of the uh, feeder clubs of Manchester City, and that appeared to be done. But now it looks like that Girona, who's also partnered with Man City, are now a supposed option. Um, some fans voiced their disappointment um, about Aguilar potentially going to Lommel, but uh, with Girona now on the table, um, Renato, do you feel... The, the same as those who were a little bit let down that he was going to Lommel, or do you think that he should uh, basically take what he can get? Personally, I would be fine with either one because you got to keep in mind, yes, Aguilar is a promising talent of Peru, and he showed he has shown a few times at Alianza why uh, Manchester City slash the City Group has bought him, but you also got to keep in mind that he's still raw and he needs to get used to the European style of play and a second division like Belgium or of course La Liga too would be the ideal for him. Personally, I would like for him to go to Girona because there is no language barrier. I personally feel like this in the Spanish football style for attacking minded fullbacks, which in which I can say if the case for Aguilar would suit him perfectly. And also because Aguilar can potentially get like an EU passport if he stays two years in Spain. That is true, actually. That is something to consider as well. Uh, and that could help really any future club, if he happens to leave Manchester City in the future, to kind of sign a player who has an EU passport, because of course there are restrictions. Um, Kevin, do you feel the same way? Do you, do, you, do you feel like it doesn't matter where he goes as long as he gets minutes and settles into European football? I don't care if it's in Belgium or Spain or anywhere else. Honestly, I, I agree with Renato. Um, I didn't take into consideration the possibly getting the EU passport in Spain, which is, is a good positive. But if we're talking about minutes, I think uh, either or is fine because I, I, I'm technically thinking of them as, as reserve sides, you know, for the city group where they, they're just focused on player development and they will try to get the best out of him. Another point I should have brought up is that a few like players that were signed by Manchester City in the past that went to Girona are actually in to say the best um good like first team careers at this point. A great example is Douglas Luiz at, at Aston Villa. Um, Manchester City signed him, but unfortunately he couldn't get a work permit at the time, so he went to Girona, and now he's a uh, possibly one of the most revelation of the midfielders in the Premier League right now at the moment. 
And Manchester City actually regrets selling him. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. You also have Angelino, who's obviously doing good things at Leipzig. Yes. He was he was another one. Um, you know, and that's even if that's the pathway for Aguilar, um, I don't think anyone would hate that as long as he has that uh, path to Europe and and can get his foot in the door. I think that's what matters at this point. Uh, if he you know, breaks in at Manchester City, becomes a squad player, fantastic. But if he doesn't, he'll probably have suitors elsewhere, and that's what matters. But what I, I think is important now is obviously to get the minutes at his age and, and get his feet wet and then go from there. Um, more youngsters, guys. More youngsters heading to Europe, actually, on, on the same subject. Uh, Didier Latorre. Um, he is yet another Alianza youngster who has found his way overseas. Um, he appeared in the final two matches for Alianza in 2020 when it, they were fighting for their lives to stay in Liga Uno, but to no avail. Um, he has now joined Emin, and he is a bit of an interesting case because at 18 years old, he can play as a winger and number 10. He can play up front. Um, he was released by Alianza amid interest from Brazilian clubs, which included Palmeiras. Um, but, Kevin, considering Emin is fighting for relegation, is this wise for La Torre to, to move there? Or do you feel like, because of his age, even if Emin go down and he's playing in the second division in Holland, that's still good for his development? So I, I think um, it's a good opportunity regardless, uh, because it is is the uh, Eredivisie. There's a lot of youth development. There's a lot of focus on it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure La Torre saw the opportunity and, and ran for it. I think it was... He had been linked with Palmeiras as well, but I think it would have been much harder for him to to possibly get any minutes there. Emin, as a side that's um, you know that's struggling, I, I think the table is still close, but they are in last place. Um, so th- there could be options for rotation. All these all these new reinforcements that are coming in, I'm sure the coach will at least look at them to see can you add a little bit more than this guy. So it, it's going to be interesting, especially since he has three other Peruvians there. I think that that's probably the biggest factor for him getting uh, acclimated to Europe. Yeah, that's certainly influential, I'm sure. Um, and part of the reason why he probably did move over there was the Peruvian connection. Um, Renato, kind of a follow-up to that, and you can give your thoughts on the La Torre move if you want within this, but given that M and R fighting for their lives here, when you look at the other Peruvians, mainly Sergio Peña and Miguel Araujo, I, I think Reiner's maybe a bit of a different case because I don't think he's at their level per se. Um, wh- what do you think ends up happening with them should Emin go down? I mean, I imagine they, they both have release clauses in the case of relegation, but they did also sign new deals recently. Um, do you feel like there would, there would be enough suitors or enough interest for either of them uh, should Emin go down? I mean, yeah, there should be. Um, not long ago, before um, the season started, there was reports that Sergio Pena had uh, Villarreal looking at him. And I also believe that Miguel Araujo in an interview said that there, he had offers from the, the higher clubs in the Arisicivi. So I'm sure there must be offers that could come on their way, especially considering that both Pena and Araujo are represented by a grief, which is considered to be one of the best agencies in Peru. So I believe that there could be something that could come to them. I just hope for Emin's sake that they can try their best to stay away from the relegation because it's a really tough moment for them at the mo- right now. 
as Kevin said, it is still kind of close, but considering they are bottom of the table, it's it becomes a harder task because you have that that many more teams to to jump over in order to save yourself. Um, you know, and they've been just, I mean, they've been unlucky in the last couple of games. I mean, they've been right there and then they just collapsed at the very last moment, which is really unfortunate. But I guess from a Peruvian perspective, you just hope that if they go down, uh, there are enough suitors out there for Araujo and Peña. I imagine Peña will be fine. It's more so Araujo, um, who I feel might have a bit of an issue. But anyways, we'll, we'll move closer to... Uh, where we are, guys, in the Americas. Um, we'll start with Pedro Aquino. He made his long-anticipated move to Club América. Um, he was amazing in his debut before he got hurt. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Um, but before he had ended up joining América, he had been linked to Gremio and Spartak Moscow, among others. And now, uh, speaking of América, Santiago Solari and América, they are now linked to Christian Benavente. Uh, more on him in a bit. But um, Renato... A lot of people were hoping that Aquino could make that move to Europe. He did not, and he is now staying in Mexico, but there is a major caveat in that he's playing for one of the biggest clubs on this side of the Atlantic. Um, how do you feel about the fact that he didn't go to Europe, but he is representing a massive institution like America, and for any Peruvian to be a key player on a club of that stature, that's, that, that is kind of cool at the end of the day. Of course, I was disappointed at first that Aquino didn't go to Europe or even Gremio because that's also a major club in the Americas. But when you think about it, we really don't have much of our players representing major clubs, not even outside of Europe. And to have Aquino wear the colors of Club America, which is considered to be one of the to be the best clubs in the in the Atlantic Coast. That's got to be an honor that you should take. Wow. And I just hope everything does well for him. It seemed like the board and Solari really wanted Aquino, which gives you an indication of how much they value Aquino. And it just also just shows you the reflection of how Aquino worked his way up in Mexico from being bought by Monterrey but never playing there to being loaned to Lobos, then playing at Leon. Now he's at Club America and... Hopefully, maybe he can establish himself to be like a Peruvian player that makes himself an idol in the in Mexico, kind of like what Juan Reynoso did. Yeah, exactly. Provided he can stay fit, though, that's always the caveat with him. And yet again, he's hurt. But I mean, you imagine that when he's yeah, you imagine that when he is back, um, he will still be a key player regardless, uh, which I guess is good. Uh, Kevin, what, what do you make of the move for Aquino at, at this stage in his career, going to América? It, it's kind of strange because obviously he, he just won the league with Leon. So I, I was kind of hoping he would make the jump. But I, I'm going to assume that the, the project interested him at America, plus having an extra Madrid coach in Solari, kind of made him want to want to stay, take part in, in that project. And who knows, maybe maybe in a season he might, he might be ready to actually make that jump. Overall, it, it's positive. But we'll, it's a, I'll wait and see. Quickly on Benavente, Renato. Um, do you think that he should make that move? He's obviously going to be coached by the man who coached him at Castilla a few years ago. Uh, do you think that Benavente should maybe give up on Europe and, and come to this side of the, of the Atlantic and, and try to apply his trade here? On Benavente, it's been such an inconsistent few past few years for Benavente. Ever since he left Chariot in Belgium, he couldn't really break it in Egypt. 
He really hardly played at Nantes, and he's not even a starter at Antwerp. And at this point in his career, where it's basically his prime years, I feel like maybe he should start to consider something as a restart to, for himself. And I think Club America would be the best option for him, especially with a coach, the coach that he knew for many years and arguably the one that made Benavente get so much press in Peru back during his Real Madrid days. Um, I also would like him to be with Aquino because I feel like that would help Benavente get so used to the new, like to the environment in Mexico. I just hope things can go like perfect, like well for him because it would be nice to have more options for the national team to turn up number tens or even like wingers or even eights. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kevin, what, what do you think? Do you think that Benavente should should do it given where he is right now? Honestly, I think um, the the connection to America is, is like tenuous at best. I don't know how how well he knew Solari as a coach. So uh, it could just be one of those things where, it, like, when they link him with Sedan for X reason. Um, I think in Antwerp is is where he's trying to reset his career. He you know he he started off slow in Charleroi, then in his second season he picked it up, and then and then he got his move abroad. Well, um, outside of outside of Belgium, I think he's trying to redo that. And considering the, all the minutes he's gotten in in uh, Europa League, I think he is considered by his coach, uh, even if he's not a, a starter in the league. But with with the good performance that I've seen from Antwerp, I I imagine that they're gonna sell some players in the next transfer season. So I, I I think I would prefer him to stay at Antwerp because that's Belgium is where he had his best performance. Yeah, it's true. I did forget that it did take him a little while to to really hit top form in in Belgium when he was at Charleroi, and that's when the Wolfsburg and Dortmund links were happening. I mean, th- those were probably a bit far fetched. At least the Dortmund rumors were. That was just a case of hey, if we can't get our Plan A or Plan B, uh, or I guess in some cases our Plan C, uh, we had we can go after Benavente and, and then he can come in. But still, to be mentioned in the same breath of those clubs is kind of goes to show you just how sensational he was that season and then to go to Egypt was I think really really disappointing but you know he is back in Belgium where he was comfortable he speaks the language um, he knows the league well maybe it turns around for him in the next six months um, so we shall see but if the America move happens and he's interested in going there I wouldn't hate that either um, we'll move over to Argentina guys uh, Luis Abram uh, who is uh, maybe I wouldn't say fresh off, but certainly it'll still have a sour taste in his mouth, what happened in the uh, Sudamericana with Belles. Um But while that was happening, there were reports from Vigo that linked Aram to Celta, uh, where, of course, Renato Tapia is playing his trade. Um, keep in mind, his deal is up in June, so he can speak to clubs at this point in time. Um, he had been linked to Real Betis in the summer, if you guys recall, um, but obviously I think that ship has sailed, given what has happened since then. Um... What is next for Abram here, Kevin, as, as we approach the summer? Because he looked destined for a move to Europe last summer. It didn't happen. He was supposed to sign a new deal with Belles. That didn't happen either. Um, are, are you a little bit concerned about kind of what comes next year? Do you think it'll all work itself out? I think once his contract runs up, because I don't, I don't think he's going to re-sign. I think he would have renewed by now if he was going to. I think once that runs out, he will have offers from abroad. He, Within Argentina, 
um, with, from Spain, from uh, I think he's been linked in Turkey. I don't think he's going to lack for offers. The only issue I could pot- potentially see is his club might freeze him out because, you know, they're like, we're not going to make any money off you. We're going to stop playing. Uh, and that's, you know, obviously could affect his, his performance in the national team. Definitely see him getting a move to um, a bigger league in the in the near future. And, and it helps him a lot that we have like the Copa America coming up. We have like four qualifying matches coming up. So he will have exposure. That's the hope, at least. Um, maybe at the national team level, he can convince some suitors, provided uh, he's afforded the, the luxury of kind of showing off those attributes. Because I feel like in the first few games for Peru, he hasn't really been able to do that yet. But maybe that will change. Hopefully it will change. Because if it does, then that probably leads to positive things for La Selección. Um, as for another Argentinian-based center back, um, Carlos Zambrano, he's in limbo right now because... Uh, he lost his place in the Boca 11. He's now reportedly headed for an exit. Um, Marcos Rojo is apparently closing in on a move, although he could potentially play left back and maybe not center back. We, we still have to see. But um, for Sambrano, Boca was his fourth club in as many years. And previously he had interest from the LA Galaxy before he joined Boca. Um, he also has interest from Niga MX, which I think could be a pretty decent move for him. But I mean, I imagine, Renato, he's going to be out the door soon, uh, especially if the Rojo move happens. Unless you disagree, then you can say so. Um, but wh- where do you think he should go? It, it seems like he's, at least based on reports, kind of keen on, on moving to Mexico. Um. So, well, I've been also hearing other reports that Zambrano says he's happy uh, with staying at Boca, especially considering that he did, he was well. He didn't start at the in the Libertadores. He was using the Copa Diego Maradona as a starting center back, and he does seem happy with the in the life at Argentina. But if the Marcos Rojo rumors become more true, I imagine he could be used at cent- at left back since. I also been hearing rumors that Frank Fabra could be leaving, but say if he does leave Boca, I mean, Mexico wouldn't be a bad option to be honest. He would possibly get the playing time, and it does help that he has a bit of like hierarchy with the national team and also with playing in Europe. I just hope that Zambrano could find all the continuities can because. In the recent years, that's something he's been struggling ever since he left Frankfurt. This is true. Very true. Um, Guys, we'll close out the Peruvians abroad section with uh, yet another peculiar case, uh, Alexander Lecaros. Um, We've been talking about him throughout 2020 uh, after he moved to Botafogo. Um, He was apparently kind of like Zambrano on his way out of the door. Uh, But now it looks like he's going to be staying and will sign a new deal to 2022. Um, But keep in mind, Botafogo will probably be relegated. So this might be a cost-saving move in preparation for the second division. Um, He's played in only seven games with Botafogo. But Kevin... This must be a positive for him, no? The, the the fact that they are willing to keep him, even if they do go down, because Lecaros could potentially get you know a pretty sizable chunk of minutes if they go down. Yeah, Peter, I, I definitely I take it as a positive. Um, it, it is probably a cost saving move, but he's also been uh, lively in attack anytime he's gotten minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been a plus in his favor. 
Um, there was always a lot of reports that he was he was very good in training, so it was a little confusing why he didn't get more minutes, but I think that's beside the point. Um, since uh, they're probably stars, or bigger salary players are probably going to leave, uh, like Honda, Kahlo, etc. And as, as far as, as being in uh, Serie B, I mean, they, they still will play, you know, the state leagues, the Copa Brasil, everything. So they, they're still going to have a ton of matches against the bigger sides in Brazil. Um, that's one of those unique cases in, in Brazil that they have so many matches between them. Yeah, exactly. So he'll he'll have plenty of opportunities to shine early, that's for sure, especially against a pretty decent competition. Um, but yeah, I think overall should be a, a, a pretty positive move, especially if Botafogo were you know they have the confidence in him to to want to keep him even if it even if it is you know going to probably result in a relegation regardless he'll play um guys we'll move over to Liga Uno because a lot of action has been happening there off the pitch and in preparation for the new season um we'll start with the champions because they've been making moves Sporting Cristal they uh, a few weeks ago unveiled Alejandro Holberg uh, who moves to the third member of the big three from La U, uh, so he completes the trifecta there. Um, Alejandro Gonzalez, a veteran Uruguayan, uh, was also brought in to bolster the defense. Um, I'll ask you this, Renato, being the, the resident Cristal fan on, on the podcast. Um, which of these transfers, and it doesn't have to just be these two, um, which ones do you think, or which one do you think, bolsters Cristal the most as they prepare for the Libertadores as well as the new season? I do say that maybe Hoiberg can be like a major boost for Cristal, considering that like it could straighten them in the wing, considering that it can be more deadly in the attack, especially if you could give Corozo a partner. But another move that did surprise me was Percy Prado, um going from nonce to Liga Liga One is but well, it does also can help you because he also has the European experience and he can bring some of that experience that he has to the league and hopefully Libertadores and he can also play not just on right back but also on the midfield and mm -hmm. you just hope that Mosqueda can find a way to make the most out of him you look at what Cristal has done and it's been really impressive they've really bolstered well for the Libertadores here um, and, and the Prado signing was really astute especially considering that he kind of as you said uh, Renato kind of shocked everybody and and came to Peru um, by the way really interesting that uh, you know you, you have Gianluca Lapadula who speaks Spanish with like that Italian twang and then you hear Percy Prado speak and he has the French twang when he speaks Spanish I, I, I kind of like that but anyway um, Kevin when you look at the signings that have come in, um, obviously, Germán Chávez has signed a new deal, so that's obviously encouraging. Renzo Revolero uh, left, but Omar Merlo also signing a new deal. Um, but with those key players staying, do you still think that with all of these new arrivals, this will lead to other major departures in the next couple of weeks? So I've been expecting... Cristal to sell uh, one or two players this, this entire transfer season and it hasn't happened and then you've had Chavez renew so I'm a little confused I think they Cristal might seriously be trying to just keep the, the, the gang together for the Libertadores and and try to try to make a push to have a good performance for a Peruvian team because that, that's the only way I can read it with with these signings bringing in Duarte from from Paraguay, bringing Holberg from <clears throat> their direct competition, La U, mm -hmm. 
reinforcing right back with Prado and Gonzalez. That that's the uh, Avila, who's uh, he probably won't play Libertadores much, but he's I think he's almost their their uh, all time scorer for Cristal. I'm pretty sure he's going to leave that way at some point. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's interesting. I I personally welcome it because uh, I think Peruvian teams have been well, frankly, embarrassing in the Libertadores. Uh, Cristal might be the only one who I think has kind of come close to doing something pretty significant, uh, but even they came up short a couple of years ago. So maybe they can make a little bit of a push and maybe even get into the knockout stage. Who knows? But regardless, staying in continental competition, I think, is imperative for them. Um, Renato, I know you've had some. Uh, opinions on this one. So we'll close out the Cristal section with this. What do you make of the Duarte arrival and the fact that Solis did sign a new deal uh, at the club? It's very interesting because when you when you look at Renato Solis, I gotta say that I was really impressed with him last season. Albeit he did have made some errors, but then again, it's he was thrown at the deep end because we all know what happened to Pato Alvarez. But he did impress with some of his stays, his reflexes, and timing. But you also just can't have like a fresh keeper like Solis be like the sole goalkeeper in such a cramped year when you got La Liga, the league, the Libertadores, and potentially the Copa Bay. But the interesting was that he, the competition they brought in was Alejandro Duarte, who, if you just take a look, just look at how his career has been through the past few years, ever since his his like breakout season at San Martin it hasn't really been that good, honestly. He really, unfortunately, stagnated in the Mexican second division. Um, he was even a third choice at Lukenia, which kind of raises some eyebrows. But at the same time, you also probably wanted to bring him in because you need competition in all areas. And with Solis, he, he needs to know that he that his spot is not secured. If he wants to show that he can be like the promising goalkeeper that the press keeps talking, he needs someone to like to, to force him like to raise the level. Otherwise, you're he's not going to evolve. And the same with Duarte, he needs to know that if he wants to win that goalkeeping spot, he needs to work hard because even though he has hierarchy playing abroad, he may not also have the hierarchy playing in a final like setting that Solis might have. So. That's a pretty tough like area of Cristal's position at the moment. Yeah, all very good points, but like you said, if you can bolster a position uh, and kind of push someone, that's what matters here. Um, we'll move over to Ayacucho, because um, they've had a very interesting last couple of months since the season ended. When we last discussed um, their prospects, they lost around six or seven key players and their coach. Since then, though, they've made a slew of signings with Liga Uno experience. It seems like they kind of just looked at the Alianza Lima uh, record books and were like, all right, we'll sign him, we'll sign him, we'll sign him, we'll sign him. Um, and that's how they've kind of rebuilt their squad here. Um, they've signed the likes of Aldair Salazar, Emmanuel Paucar, uh, Pablo Labandeira, Italo Espanosa, and Janio Posito, uh, a Christopher Viscardo cult hero, Janio Posito. Um, Kevin, given the departures and these new arrivals, um, are you feeling more optimistic or pessimistic or kind of the same since we last spoke about Ayacucho a month ago? I personally am just disappointed in Ayacucho, uh, letting letting go of their coach who made who got the best out of the team that I've I've seen in Ayacucho side in, in a long time. Um, even even winning the Fase 2, 
against a you know very strong Cristal side. So I, I think that right there complicated some things going to Libertadores. Then losing um, Minaya Rojas was obviously on a loan. Canales. I think they Montes. I get it. Age at some point or another he had to leave, but I I don't know if they reinforced enough for the for international competition. I think they they'll probably be okay in in the Peruvian league, but that's about as much as as they're aiming for from what I can see. Yeah, I would have to agree with you, sadly. Um, but maybe they won't end up being terrible in the Libertadores. Maybe they'll just be one of those, you know, plucky, difficult teams to beat at, at best. Um, but yeah, I think league-wise they'll be okay. They'll be solid. They might push for Sudamericana or something like that and still be competitive. Um, on the flip side, Cesar Vallejo, um, they've had a couple of pretty big moves here. Uh, Rodrigo Cuba, Don Millan, among others, have joined. Uh, they also re-signed Chemo, which I think was probably the most important move of all because I'm sure he had some interest after the season uh, he had with Cesar Vallejo in 2020. Um, Renato, how have you liked Cesar Vallejo's off-season thus far? I think that they're really planning so much for the good. They're keeping pretty much all their players and even... Chemo from last season to the current upcoming season. I'm also looking forward to see Eric Morillo for this year because he wasn't talked about much last year, but he was, I gotta say, he was putting up a revelation in the right side and attacking fullback. And because hopefully I would like to see him do well in the Libertadores and, of course, in the league. Yes, and they will probably, unlike Ayacucho, probably be very competitive in both, or at the very least, give a good account of themselves in both. I really like the moves they've made. Keeping Chemo, I think, was the most important of all, really. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they can do in 2021, um, as well as a couple of other teams. Um, and Kevin, this is just for you, this section. Um, we'll, we'll get to the main event of this section in a bit, but we'll start first um, with one of the Cusqueño clubs, which is uh, Cusco FC. Um, they've brought in, we already mentioned, Mauricio Montes, uh, but also Sandro Rengifo, York Mantello, and, you know, they've made many, many other signings at, at the time of recording uh, after losing a couple of key players. Um, but in, in terms of Cusco themselves, how do you like how they've kind of retooled the squad here? Honestly, uh, it, it's a pleasant surprise. I mean, I could say that for a lot of sides that I, I thought they've had so many positive signings, but for Cusco, I think they essentially rebuilt the midfield from Binacional when they when they were champions. York Manteo, the other name escapes me at the moment. But um, aside from that, I think their most interesting signing was um, was this Uruguayan kid. It, nah, it's not a kid. He's 27. Um, Ab, Absad. He's coming from Rentistas, who I believe finished second in Uruguay. He's like a like a playmaker. I'm not sure if a 10 or a 7. And I honestly think he will be the the main man to watch on this Cusco side. And uh, I'm going to make a, you know, a hot take. I think he'll end up at one of the big Lima sides next year. Hmm. All right, interesting. Something to watch. Um Quickly, we, we need to move over to Cienciano because they did not want to be outdone, clearly, by what Cusco did. Um, and they made some pretty impressive transfers of their own, a lot of them shocking. Um, Raciel Garcia coming in, Jordan Givin 
coming in despite rumors linking him to a move abroad but there might be uh something at play which we'll touch on in a bit um kevin sandoval and a couple of other very very solid signings have replenished their squad let me ask you this kevin and obviously you know you lost alianza but you might be salvaged a little bit by what el papa does here um should we expect cinciano to be pushing for a libertadores place this season given the signings they've made or are we maybe um falling into and i'm sorry to bring this up again but an alianza trap in in seeing what they've done on paper and thinking okay they're going to be an instant success and, and it's all going to work out so i don't i don't think the situation is similar i think cienciano has a a project and i i think they're going to be one of the most exciting sides for me for me personally cesar vallejo and cienciano but but uh, the 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 sides that are that are doing well in my eyes like Cristal, Cesar Vallejo, Cienciano, they've all renewed their coach. Grioni has now been with Cienciano, I think, I think three three years. I think yeah. this will be his third year. Yeah. Um, he has a you know a solid hold on 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 his key players like Romagnolia, Yarza, um, and then he's he's just he's tooled tooled his team to just pick up everyone that he thought that he would he would need a stronger defense, another. Um, some younger players like Rachomik, um, Zapata from Cristal, Kevin Sandoval, who I'm surprised Cristal let go, but players that are, are just going to be key, even if they're coming off the bench. And I think it'll be an exciting side, especially if they get to play in Cusco, because they, they were pretty, let me say, they, they steamrolled some teams in the beginning of the season 2020 until they couldn't play in Cusco. I mean, that, it really is an impressive project, what they're doing. I mean, that midfield is going to be incredible. And if Romagnoli can can stay fit, um, that's going to be, and I hate to use this cliche, but like a new signing, really, because um, he was really seldom available last year, and that might have actually hurt them in some ways. Um, so that's yet another uh, addition, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Um, Renato, let me ask this to you. We saw that Cinciano just announced a partnership with Puebla, I believe it was. With this in mind, do you think that the Jordan Givin and maybe even to some degree the Raciel Garcia move um, makes a bit more sense uh, going to Cienciano given that this partnership has now been unveiled? Oh, for sure. Uh, with the signings in mind, it seems like Cienciano has a project they've been trying to do. I believe that they want to bring some play other players that Playing their club to play in Liga MX, especially for a club like Puebla that's growing, and that can hopefully boost the Peruvian pools for the national team, and also like players like rep- giving representing Peru in the international level, and you can hope that maybe more partnerships can come up with other other Liga One clubs and putting with clubs in Mexico or maybe even outside of Mexico, maybe like even the MLS or even Europe. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's definitely beneficial for sure, um, and it does make a lot more sense as to why I think the moves happened. 
But yeah, we, we shall see what happens in the next year here. We'll close out the show, guys, discussing the newly promoted side, Alianza Atletico. They, of course, uh, triumphed over Juan Auric in the final. Um, yet again, Juan Auric coming up just a little bit short, but this is not about them. This is about what Alianza did. They are back in Liga Uno, but as Christopher Viscardo mentioned uh, to close out 2020, um, whoever ends up getting promoted is probably going to be at a bit of a disadvantage just because they have such little time to prepare in comparison to the other clubs who basically had like a one or two month head start on them. They did go to work right away and they brought in five new players, including former uh, Laú defender Adam Balbin. Um, but it, I'll go to I'll ask both of you guys this question. Um, do, do you feel like they are going to be one of those relegation candidates or, or do you think that they're going to be essentially safe from that conversation like they'll finish comfortably in the table somewhere away from the bottom uh kevin what do you think honestly i i think it's gonna be tough i just because of how well a lot of sides have signed in in the first division in my eyes like manucci vallejo the cusqueño clubs so i i think the top is kind of almost set um alianza atletico could be a surprise but i don't think they're going to be fighting for an international spot this year, maybe next year. That's that's just how I see it. I think them, Cantolao, uh, San Martin are probably going to be battling at the bottom this year. Yeah, and I, and I think that's pretty much for all the reasons you mentioned and that I mentioned that they're probably going to be doomed. Uh, Renato, what, what do you think? Do you think Alianza are, are going to be in trouble or do you feel like they might be okay? It's tough to say, to be honest if you. I mean, when you got... um. Liga two clubs um, going from Liga one, they can often be predictable or just surprising. I mean, B Nacional did surprise me. I mean, they obviously they came from like I believe Copa Peru, but you can't always often underestimate the lower division teams that just go to the first division. Though, if they do go down, then I won't be surprised considering the fortunate lack of time of preparation Alianza Atletico has been given. But to hopefully like give some hope for some Liga Dots clubs, um, I just hope, wish them the best, and maybe they can show people that of what non-Liga One clubs are capable of. Absolutely. We shall see, and obviously we'll preview everything uh, when the season comes near, and obviously talk about the clubs involved in continental competition as well. But we are back for 2021, guys. Uh, that'll do it for us for the first edition of the new year. Uh, you can follow me, Peter Galindo, on Twitter at... Galindo PW. You can follow the show at Peru Waltz. Uh, Renato, what is your Twitter handle? And do you have a final shout out for this week? My Twitter handle is Renato underscore sun. Um, my shout out will be going to all the Leon one players uh, preparing for the upcoming season. And I've been hearing about mandatory quarantine in Lima. So people in Lima right now, um, stay, try to stay best at home and make sure to wear a mask <laughs> yes absolutely stay safe uh kevin what is your twitter and do you have a final shout out for the week hi guys you can uh find me at k montelvon7 on, on twitter um just uh everybody stay safe see you soon Absolutely. And we will hopefully see you next week should our schedules coordinate, but we will ensure that that does happen. So that'll do it for us. This is the Peruvian Waltz team, and we are signing off. 
Corrubiños en el arco, la defensa es colosal. González, Orlando, la torre, Nicolás, Fuentes y Chumpitas. Chalemifrin y Cubillas y el gran Pericoleón. Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan la serie. 